Hello, and welcome to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. My name is Jamie Edwards, and I'm a full-time professional endurance coach, age group triathlete, and triathlon fan. The Diary of an Age Grouper podcast is all about content relevant to age groupers. We'll talk to athletes, coaches, and experts who walk the walk. On this episode of the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast, we speak to Roland Crantock. Roland is new to triathlon and completed his first 70.3 in March 2022. Since then, he has dropped his 70.3 finish time from 4 hours and 25 minutes down to sub 3 hours and 50 minutes. Recently, he was the fastest age grouper at Melbourne 70.3. We talk about life outside of triathlon, what a typical race build looks like, managing shift work, his race at Melbourne, and the importance of disco muscles. I think we would all like Roland's rate of improvement and we look forward to seeing what he does next. For now, enjoy the journey so far. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper. Roland, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Uh, doing very well, Jamie. Thanks so much for um, having me on. No worries at all. So obviously, you have just raced Melbourne 70.3, and you were the first age grouper across the line, or the fastest age grouper on the day. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about life outside of triathlon? Mm, mm, yeah, so I guess uh, I work in healthcare at the moment. So I just finished uni in my first year as a doctor. So that's probably the main thing that's taking up time outside of triathlon. And so I try to keep a good bit of a mix between the triathlon and work. So that's probably the main thing. And then apart from that, I just like to spend time with the family and the dog at home, just relaxing, kicking the feet up. Yeah, nice. So where is where is home for you? I'm out in the southeast of Melbourne, so I'm out in Berwick, which is uh, getting into a bit of a hub now. It's like getting super developed, but um, it used to be really good for riding, but now it's like getting a bit busy with cars and stuff like that. So it's getting a little bit sketchy out there on the roads, but still manage. Um, yeah, but I've lived out here in Melbourne my whole life. So yeah, grew up grew up in the area. Yeah, man. How long have you been in, in the sport? Uh I would say in triathlon, probably about a year and a half. Um, now, I think I started, the first race I did was Melbourne 70.3 when it was in March in 2021, I think it was. Um, so it was the first triathlon I'd pretty much ever did done. And then from there, I just got addicted to it. And so for the last year and a half, just getting more and more, I guess, infatuated with the sport as we all do. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's a fairly short history. So this this part's not going to take us long. So, um, yeah, so obviously a year and a half, um, pretty steep trajectory, I'd say. But while we're on the subject, can you tell us how the first race went in 2021? <laughs> oh, just as a quick no... overview and, and your finish <laughs> yeah, time, yeah. that kind of thing, just for context. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I'd have to look back at the actual results. I think my time was 4.25 or something like that. But that was on a road bike as well. It's a bit of a different situation but i had no clue what i was doing really like i think training for it i was just like predominantly doing some intermittent riding no structure to it and then about three weeks out four weeks out i decided i should probably start running off the bike and then for swimming i did like 
maybe four or five 2K swims in the pool just to make sure I could actually survive the swim. So, yeah. And then on the race, I just had no no race plan. Just thought, go go like hell for leather in the swim, try and stick up. And then on the bike, I think I was I had no clue what I was doing. Didn't even know my power numbers. Was just like, yeah, going way too hard. I bonked with 20Ks to go. And then the run was just horrendous. I cramped up so much. And, yeah, it was pretty pretty horrible experience in comparison to what you know the past few races have been like yeah and so what was your background in sport if any prior to deciding to enter melbourne 70.3 in 2021 and yeah. what was that catalyst for deciding you want to give middle distance triathlon a go yeah i am um, like uh growing up through school we always had to do school sport um and so I was always pretty keen into like running. Um, not that I'm like a particularly good runner, but I was always into it, like just doing sort of longer runs around. And then I got really into rowing whilst I was in like high school. And so I did that for a few years up until year 12 and then stopped that as I got into university just because the time commitment was proving too much of a bit of a difficult thing. And then from rowing, I remember one of the coaches one time and said, oh, cycling's actually really good cross-training. And so in about ten or, year 10 or 11, I picked up cycling and then fell more in love with cycling than I sort of had with rowing. And so I had already had that running in um, cycling background. And then throughout school, I'd always had swimming um, lessons and everything like that. So sort of done all three of them, you know, outside of each other. And then I think... Like it got to COVID and I sort of I don't know, got a bit bored with what I was doing. I was just sort of doing uni and some intermittent riding. I thought, oh, would be good to just get out there and have a crack at something. And then I don't know why I chose to do an iron, half Ironman. I thought it sounded cool. So <laughs> thought I'd give it a crack and then, yeah, there you go. Yeah, sweet. And, and that was literally your first triathlon? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even do the Weepix kids triathlons growing up, which I had, but um, no, that was the first one. Okay, and what and how you were rowing for two to three years? So, what sort of level? Like, what was the the training commitment there, and what distances were you racing at? For rowing, was it? Sorry. Yeah, for your rowing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, throughout school, you just do. I think from year year ten, you pick it up, and so for about three years of rowing, and then, um, I mean, it's just school by rowing, so you're doing like two to three sessions a week in the boat. And they get you to do some cross training on the, the running and the bike as well. But um, yeah, never like got to an elite level outside of rowing. I think I I went to the the um uh, like the national championships a few like two years and won some of the races there. But um, no, nah, nothing nothing super special. Interesting. And did you did you do any testing through that time through the later years of school? And was there any other indication that you you might be quite good at endurance sport, or is it just something you enjoyed doing and naturally gravitated towards and just evolved from there? Uh, I'm just trying to think back to like any specific endurance ones. Always on the rowing, like we had to do the two K tests, and you know, I just always had a bit of a, I don't know, like a sadistic pleasure like going hard on the 2k ergo and just really you know rooting yourself and um turning yourself inside out but um no i don't think like otherwise all the other cycling and running i'd always just sort of done it for more pleasure um i guess than 
actual formal training. Um, yeah. So just generally a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all are in triathlon. You got to, you've got to enjoy some level of hurting yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe something happened to me when I was a kid, got dropped or something, and then just like, oh, <laughs> I had to do <laughs> too much exercise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so just take us through the progression from that first seventy point three and four twenty five. So by your own admission, like not your best day out, you didn't, you did some intermediate training for it, but you know, I think in the grand scheme of triathlon and, and 70.3 finish times, 425 is not, it's not terrible. It's, it's a pretty solid, solid, you know, first race, especially with limited training. So just, just walk us through, um, I'm assuming you've done Melbourne each year thereafter being a local boy. So just sort of talk, talk us through the progressions from that first one in 2021, right through to 2023, the race that happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I actually missed Melbourne last year, um, because I, I was training for Busselton, the Ironman. So, but I'll get into that maybe. But um, I think after doing Melbourne the first year in twenty twenty one, I just remember seeing all these other guys flying past me on the run and thought they looked so schmick, um, and like very very uh dialed in, and I thought, wow, I'd like it'd be fantastic to feel like that on the run, um. And I saw uh, one of my mates who um, I knew from rowing um, running past and he was training with the, the Trivelo group and I saw him run past looking very strong. And so I thought, you know, it would probably pay dividends to get some actual formal coaching um, and an insight into the sport. So after doing that the first year, um, I reached out to Jared and the Trivelo team and um, got some formal coaching from them, which is just like being invaluable really um it, it just like knowing now what i know about training um i can't believe that i even decided to go out and have a crack at the iron half iron man um so yeah that really made a you know a huge difference to what i was doing um and so i started doing some formalized sessions actually like doing runs off the bike regularly and some structured training looking at you know targeted power numbers and run paces and swim splits that um you know started slow and then just gradually built up and then created a pretty good foundation to work from um and so from that i think the post endorphin rush after just finishing the half at melbourne it, i decided that um i'd like to have a crack at doing the full iron man um and so, yeah, with the formal formal training and that I worked up to do the, the Ironman at Busselton, um, which was a huge experience um, and definitely something that, I mean, I'd want to do again, but it's definitely a, a, a huge step up from the half Ironman, that's for sure. Um, so I did that last year at the end of 2022 um, and then have just sort of been progressing forward ever since then. Um, after doing the full Ironman, I'd thought maybe it's time to step back down to the 70.3s and so this year I've targeted sort of those so this year I did Geelong um sunny coast and uh Melbourne finally just two weeks ago um yeah and so it's been a a good sort of comparison between you know life before structured training and life after and then actually having targeted goals uh to train towards yeah, sweet. So, how did that uh, Ironman in Bustleton go? 
So that was a full, t- yeah, just over 12 months, 13 months yeah. after your, oh no, it wouldn't have been, it would have been longer than that because Melbourne 70.3 in 2021 was in March, you said, is that right? So it would have been yeah. sort of you know, more like a year and a half worth of structured formal training with a, it, a with a coach guiding you and um, went over to Bustledon. So how did that, how did that first Ironman go? <laughs> It was definitely experience. I'll have to look at. I'll have to check the date because I think it was actually in the same year. Uh, I, I might be getting my dates confused. Um, it was sorry. It was March twenty twenty two. So it was actually last year. I did my first one. Ah, um, okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Apologies for that. So same um, year. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No same worries. year. Yeah. And I, as I said, the, the you know how you're always in the middle of a race. You think oh, I'm never going to do one of these things ever again. I've had and that you just thought from time to time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just hurting. You're in the trenches and then you just finish. And then about two minutes after you finish, you get this massive rush, you know, of endorphins. You're just like, wow, I can't wait to do that again. And I remember thinking, because this was my last year of uni, I'm never going to have this much time to train again, probably. Now's the best time to try and train for a full Ironman. Um, so, yeah, I reached out for some formal coaching and set that goal to do the, the full Ironman. Maybe without, I mean, it was an ambitious goal. I think I had about maybe yeah six months of training formally for it. Um, as I said, and I remember at the time, Jared was reluctant to to take me on. I think because um, he said it was a very ambitious goal to try and fit that much training in in such a short amount of time. Um, so uh, looking back at it now, maybe, yeah, I probably have to agree with him. I think. Um, Maybe I was a little bit underdone. I couldn't have benefited from, you know, a longer duration of training because you ended up doing, I think, uh, some of the weeks I was doing 17 or 18 hours, I think, of training, which um, for me at the time was quite a lot. And, yeah, working up to that, it, it not I still loved the training and I, I really loved what I was doing. But in comparison to training for 70.3s, I found the training to be quite exhausting. And it's a long time to be sitting out on the bike on a Saturday for six to eight hours you know by yourself and then coming home and doing a run then you're just sort of wrecked for the rest of the afternoon so yeah um the actual race experience um again because of my first go i think i was happy with how it went um uh a lot to learn like a lot will um i learned a lot sorry from it um really suffered on the run at the end i couldn't Stroke had a bad day of nutrition and some GI upset issues towards the end of the um, the run, which meant I couldn't really get any nutrition on and then was just sort of hanging on for the last 20Ks and couldn't eat anything. So that really hurt. Um, but looking back at it now, I, I think that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And so now whenever I rock up to try and do the 70.3, I think, well, I mean, you've already done a full Ironman you can go so much harder now on the half Ironman. Um, so I think that was an invaluable experience just to appreciate that. But I think maybe it was a little bit naive and trying to do it with such little training at the time for the standard that I sort of wanted to reach and with my performance. Yeah. Well, speaking of the, the, the standard you want to reach, what, what are your, what are your goals and aspirations in the sport now? Is it, is it about getting faster? Is it about, you know, winning age group category or winning overall, or, or do you have aspirations to maybe race in the pro field? Like wh- where are you at in terms of, of your goals and aspirations now? 
Yeah, I, th- I think first and foremost, I just want to always try and push my own limits. I mean, it's just trying to find, I guess, the how far I can push myself both mentally and physically is my number one goal. Um, I think if you get too wrapped up maybe in your performance, it can take a bit of the love away from the sport, um, which, you know, that's, that's why I think we all do it because we love the training, we love pushing ourselves and it's really satisfying when you see a lot of hard work come to fruition on race day so i think that's the number one thing that i you know want to keep keep on doing um as as for like continuing on with age group first professional um aspirations in the sport i mean i would love to be a professional one day i think maybe a, a another year or two of um continued training might might be the best thing um for me i'd like to maybe continue to show that I can still perform at like a higher level or maybe prove that before I maybe rush into stepping up, but I'm, I'm not too sure. And to be honest, but um, I've signed up to do the age group world champs over at New Zealand um, next year. Um, so I will probably be targeting that for next, next season. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I think that'll be the plan for now. And then just throughout the year, continue to just try and, uh, progress my own stands and try and push myself and you know lift the lift the bar a little bit in my own performance um yeah yeah cool um so maybe 2025 that could be where you once you get through taupo in 2024 you potentially reassess after that see how you go um and potentially step up into the professional ranks if you feel like you've sort of proven to yourself that that could be feasible and you know looking across to uh, some of the performances in the pro ranks so That'd be that'd yeah. be an interesting journey, and you know, even at that point, it's um, you know, you've still only been in the sport probably what less than three years, so still quite an impressive and and steep project trajectory. So, yeah, no, well, thank you, thanks for those kind words, Jamie. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably a, a reasonable plan. I'm just trying not to make same the same mistake as I did maybe for the Iron Man and rushing to things, but um, we'll see. It's always a good thing as well, maybe to, I don't know. Having said that. Being in a pro field where you're maybe towards the back of a pack can push you and, you know, really motivate you to go harder. But I guess it can also work in the same way where if you're, you know, struggling to hang on sometimes, maybe it can be a little bit demoralizing. So I'm not sure how I'd react in that situation, but um, I think I'm fairly intrinsically motivated that it wouldn't bother me too much. But um, yeah, just something to think about, I think, before jumping into it. Yeah, it's probably getting that mix right of what are your motivations and then what's going to, if your underlying goal is to push your own personal limits, is racing in the age group field and doing it the way you've done it so far going to yield the biggest improvements in performance or is it stepping up into those, into the pro ranks and potentially sort of being back of back of the pack and, you know, aspiring to be better or pushing to be better? Um, is that going to is that going to be the environment where you're where you're going to thrive? And I guess time will tell on that one. Yeah, yeah. And having said that, though, I'm, I mean, I'm still fairly, I think, naive when it comes to the divisions between being a professional and, you know, amateur sort of athlete. So maybe I don't understand like the actual logistics behind it enough to make a formal decision. Um, so I probably need to go and educate myself a little bit better about how that all works as well before I jump into it. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a bit more to it than just comparing your times and go, oh, I could match up here because obviously the pro race is you're racing and it's a racing dynamic. Whereas, 
you know, in theory, as age groupers, we're we're time trialing and seeing who ends up with the with the fastest time, which we might get into some racing dynamics and how you approach race day when we start talking about Melbourne. But before we get into that, you mentioned earlier you uh, have studied and you are now a medical doctor. So can you just tell us a little bit about work, your work hours, are you doing shift work, um, and how you sort of manage that with your training? Yeah, you know, happy to um go into it. It's a bit tricky with uh training. Um especially cuz as a junior doctor you do you you swap rotations quite regularly every 10 weeks or so you'll be put onto a different unit. Um so that really does sort of make finding regular hours tricky, especially if you're doing emergency um work as well, which I've done predominantly throughout this year. I think I've had three rotations out of the five have been in the ED which means that like you may one day you might be working from 7:30 till 5:30 and then the next day you might be working from 2 till midnight and then you might have a day off and then you might be doing a run of two or three night shifts in a row from say 11 11 p.m. to 8 o'clock in the morning which definitely makes it tricky to sort of one regulate your your sleeping and your rest as well as the training and fitting it in um so it has been tricky um, I think the most important thing or the most helpful thing that I've had is, you know, as I said, having that structured sort of training and, and like a, a training plan from a professional uh, and someone who knows what they're doing. So I think having a coach is the most helpful thing, um, you know, to sort of, I guess, either plan your life around the training or sort of mold the training to your your work life. Um, and so it was quite easy to sort of like, if I, if you needed to, you could swap, you know, your long ride and your long run day to midweek or split them up if you needed to, if that's just what was available. Um, and so for work, it just, as I said, I, I really do love the training. And so every time I'm at work, it's just, I cannot wait to, you know, you know, for it to get to like the, the end of the day so that I can go and jump in the pool or get home and go for a ride. Um, cause it's just, I'm um, just so motivated to, to go and get training. I don't know why, but I just really do love it. Um, I also found that it was like, cause we're at different sites. I'm at Monash health at the moment, which is in the Southeast of Melbourne. And they've got, uh, I think five or so different hospital sites. And so sometimes, um, what I started to do was I started riding my bike to work as well, just as a bit of additional training, um, throughout the year which just easy riding was good to just increase the volume and then save me just sitting in the car for 45 minutes just to spin the legs for 45 minutes definitely um you know i think helped a lot um so that was a good trick i think i sort of um found throughout the year to maximize my time yeah but it's definitely been a you know a bit of um a novel thing to get used to working full-time as well and not just being able to leave it 11 or 12 o'clock as you might have done when you're a medical student so yeah yeah definitely and i'm assuming that you're you just put notes in uh in your training program so your coach can sort of just build around what shifts you've got going on and as you said before you know typically a typical age grouper with your nine till five might do their longer sessions on the weekend but for you your weekend so to speak is could be midweek some weeks or you know an odd day off midweek and then one day on the weekend so i'm assuming just sort of put your shifts when you know them in advance and just building around that yeah exactly right exactly right and i think just having flexibility in your training as well um 
you know, is, is probably the main thing, not being so rigid that like if you if you need to change a shift or if you need to change, if there's something important that's popped up in your work um, or in your personal life that, you know, it's good. sometimes you've got to have to work around that. So, yeah. Yeah, so having that structure and guidance and progressive nature of training, but at the same time being, you know, fluid and flexible with that within reason. Mm, mm, exactly. All right. So now let's start to talk about Melbourne this year. So a little bit of context again. So first uh, race in March 2022, we went 425. This race in November 2023 went 339 with a little asterisk on it uh, because the swim was shortened. So yeah, it's about yeah. supposed to be about a kilometer swim. So say if we had 10 or 11 minutes, 11 minutes makes it easy. So that makes it a 350 <laughs> finish time for, for the easy math. So again, quite a steep trajectory. You mentioned you did, you went and did Bustleton in December of 2022. And then so far in 2023, you did Geelong 70.3, Sunshine Coast 70.3, and then and then Melbourne. Just tell us quickly how... Um, how Geelong and Sunshine Coast went, even just the finish times. Um, yeah, so we sure. can sort of track that progression and then we'll get into training and the race at Melbourne. Yeah. Well, um, I guess sorry, last year as well, I did Western Sydney in between Melbourne and the Ironman over at Bustleton. And I think I did a 4.10 or 4.15, somewhere around that range. Yep. So probably about a, a 10-minute improvement yep. um, just, just in like three or four months of training and structured training. And then moving on from there, uh, at Bustleton, I did a 9.06, I think. Um, so with for the full Ironman. Um, and then uh, following that this year, I think is when I like really stepped up in terms of like pushing myself in uh, on actual race day. And so at Geelong, I did a around a 358, 3.59 Um for the half Ironman, so the first time to go sub four, um, which I was really happy with, like with no exceptions to sort of the distances as well. So I was pretty pleased with that performance. Um, yeah, honest course at Melbourne, uh, at Geelong, sorry. At Geelong. Yeah. That's a good yeah. course to do sub four on. Yeah, it was a good day um, by my standards and I was very, very happy with that that performance. Um, and then sort of had, uh, I guess, more of a prolonged break moving towards sunny coasts. Um, and then just recently, I think I did four, four or five there um, on the day, which didn't, I mean, there's a few things that went on within the race and I don't think I probably nailed the nutrition on that day or just didn't rock up feeling quite how I wanted to. Um, so, I mean, it, four or five is still a fantastic time compared to what I started out with and I was very happy with that. But um, by the own standards that I wanted to sort of meet, my own standards, I was a little bit disappointed with that effort. So I sort of saw this Melbourne race as a redemption and have to really lay it all out on the line and sort of push myself so I can try and see what I actually actually can do. Um, yeah, so I was really looking forward to the Melbourne race and that was definitely the A race for the year that I was targeting um, that I sort of set out with from the start. Yeah, so it was a little bit disappointing when they rocked up and they shortened the swim and sort of put a bit of an asterisk over it. I think 350, you know, you know, calculated time, maybe a little bit generous, but I'll take it if you give it to me, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously I'm just sort of guessing. I, I've obviously done a little bit of research and I think you sort of swim around a, a 26. So, um, you know, I, th I think it's, I think around adding, you know, 10 minutes, maybe closer to 15, but you're, you're well yeah. and truly sub four and maybe in that 350 to 355 range, but obviously none of us will 
ever really know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just always a bit of a shame when there's a when there's an asterisk when, you know, as age troopers, I think one thing we've you know, we are doing is we're chasing times and seeing improvements in times. Um, even mm. though it isn't always, you know, a, a fair match. The distances should always be the same. Obviously, you get different courses and different conditions and different racing dynamics with the rolling start. But I think definitely within that range, um, for the sake of this conversation and and looking at that progression over the last year or two, uh, would be yeah. would be fair. Yeah. No. No. I think. Um. Yeah. It makes things very easy and yeah, it's very kind. Thanks. No worries. Okay. <laughs> so, um, tell us about the the prep leading into Melbourne. So you've done Sunshine Coast. Not everything went you know, according to plan there. Um, and there's about eight to 10 weeks between Sunshine Coast and Melbourne. So do you get back from Sunshine Coast and go straight into a block specific to Melbourne 70.3? So how long is your prep and yeah, what are we what are we looking at? I'm assuming there's no sort of typical week because of the shift work. So are there certain targets you're trying to hit week to week? Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so I was actually up in Mildura for the last, like, I guess, a few weeks of the training just because I was... Like again, it's another satellite division of Monash Health, and so I was up there doing a surgical rotation, which had more regular hours, thankfully. Um, so I was able to structure my training a little bit more regularly. Um, so yeah, as you said, got back from Sunny Coast and pretty much got straight back into it after a little bit of a rest, maybe a few days off. Um, after that, and I think I got straight back into maybe a little bit of higher volume. So did a longer ride the first weekend back with um some like 30 to 45 minute efforts throughout the ride um just it's sort of like uh a bit below race pace power um and then there was a run off the bike and that that was sort of the general sort of trend for the next four weeks of you know um longer rides with smaller segments of uh close to if not a little bit under race pace power just to sort of simulate that with then some running efforts as well um, so yeah, it was a, it was about a ten week, I think, gap between the two, um, as you said, and so it's just generally sort of progressing the the volume of the training without doing it too much, whilst um, having a few little test sessions sprinkled throughout just to see how things are going and get the legs conditioned for a, a fairly good effort on race day. Okay, so when you said more regular hours, was it more like a Monday to Friday scenario? Yeah, exactly. Um, bar, bar maybe two weeks um, where I was uh, covering the ward. Um, so that's like when you have to work some irregular hours. It was a fairly nine to five. Oh, sorry. It was actually six till three sort of week. So it's pretty good for, I guess, afternoon training. Um, you can go and get a few different sessions in from, you know, three o'clock. So it was pretty handy having that. Um, and then up in Mildura as well, it can get pretty hot up there. It's in like the the northwest corner of the state um and i think it was 35 degrees 40 degrees some some days and just pancake flat roads so could really dial in on the, the tt bike and sort of adapt myself to that that condition which historically i'm not very good at heat higher heat conditions so i was pretty happy with that um yeah yeah okay well because we do have those regular hours um and the therefore the training structure was a bit more um regular as well do you mind maybe taking us through like a monday to sunday like obviously mentioned i think the saturday or sunday is your long longer ride into a into a brick run but you know just yeah take us through monday monday to monday to sunday yeah so 
Monday was predominantly a, just a swim day um, for me. So I, I might get in the pool and do um, maybe like three, three to three and a half Ks of swimming, about an hour of work uh, with some uh, like 100 meter efforts, um, or like VO2 efforts on the Monday. Um, so it's predominantly like a swim slash recovery day from the weekend. And then on and Tuesday, of VO2 for you, what sort of pace are we talking? What are you trying to hold and what are you leaving on? Um, so the the set like would differ, but predominantly if I was trying to do like hundreds with maybe 30 seconds rest, I'd be trying to hit the one, 118s um, yep. around that pace, 115 to 120 maybe for there. And then if I was leaving uh, with like just 10 seconds rest, maybe close to 120 to 125s um, for those. And then I might do like 10 100s leaving on 10 seconds. So what's that? Maybe on the 130 or yep. the 135. Yeah, so um, depending on what the 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 type of session. So if it's a VO2 yeah. type session, you get more rest. And so obviously you go a bit faster. If it's more of a, you know, dialing in a tempo or a race intensity, shorter rest yeah. and therefore yeah, exactly. a little bit slower. Exactly right, yeah. Yep, cool. All right, on to Tuesday. Yeah, so Tuesday was um, uh, a ride day like with a run off the bike so to, i think it would generally be um uh, i'm just trying to think back like more like a, i think another vo2 session on the bike with um some like mid to longer efforts um so you might do like uh, i think it was like five by fives i think were a few times we did those like with a warm-up and a cool down on the other side which you could extend out if you had more time so that was good to get sort of I guess more volume in as well because then I could have the whole afternoon to sort of do a longer ride. So I could do a two 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 hour ride on a weekday, which is pretty handy. Um, with uh, a good a good chunk of structured you know work in the middle of that on either side, and then after every ride, it's pretty much a given that I think you're always doing a run, which we're generally thirty minutes. So I'd always just do a thirty minute run, pretty much off the bike. Um. And so that was predominantly a Tuesday. Yeah, so um, you've got this structured session and the key part of that session is five by five. So if you'd be, if you're at home or you're a bit more time poor, that might've just been on the trainer or something. But because you had the freedom and you had most of the afternoon to train, you had the freedom and flexibility to make that a bit of a longer yeah. ride. And then, yeah, just an easy 30 minutes off the bike. Yeah, exactly right. And I had the benefit of being up in Mildura, which was nice and warm, dry conditions, not like Melbourne where it's just, miserable and drizzling all the time but um yeah i will say riding on the trainer uh it's like a ratio of one to two for time it just it's so intense on the trainer so it's definitely not something to sniff that I, I find all the sessions on the trainer are so much harder than outdoors so yeah it's it's certainly not a bad thing getting on the trainer yeah that's interesting i hear that a lot from a lot of athletes that they they tend to find the um it's easier to hold certain powers or hit certain powers out on the road compared to on the trainer which uh yeah it sounds like you're you know sort of in that in that boat yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that's monday tuesday on to wednesday wednesday was predominantly like a, a run day so tuesday wednesday thursday i sort of your midweek um were the the midweek sort of hard sessions that we were doing mm -hmm. um and so wednesday would be a run day um so it it, it, it would vary between Again, um, doing maybe uh, some progressive 1K efforts. So you might do 6 by one k or 8 by one k 
um, and just moving up the pace at a like um, pretty pretty high or like above race pace um, for the seventy point three. Um, so I found those sessions quite challenging just because uh, I'm a bigger person. I find running running fast, I guess maybe a bit harder. Um, so that I found those really really good sessions to try and really up my pace. Um, and you know, get used to like I guess running at that higher level when stepping back down to a longer, longer progressive run. Um, so yeah, that was a Wednesday session, and then in addition to the run, might just do a, an easy swim, a shorter swim. So maybe thirty minutes in the pool of a few short efforts, maybe one hundred, two hundred, and then a few fifty meter efforts with drills, sort of on either side of that, just to pad out a little bit of recovery um yeah so women an easy swim and a hard run on wednesday yep that's your key run day for the week yeah yeah exactly right and i think i mean as i said uh, i'm like pretty tall i'm 196 197 centimeters like 95 kilos so i think i'm pretty worried running that i'm going to injure myself especially when it's i think it's so prevalent in in the sport just injuries and trying to stay injury free is probably the main thing main thing i think on on my mind most of the time and running being such a high impact sort of sport i think you want to like really maximize your sessions but not overdo it in the running um which i where it's good to do those sort of shorter 1k efforts without overdoing it um so yeah that was the the really hard run day yes wait thursday Thursday was another hard ride, so sort of similar to the Tuesday ride, um, maybe with like a bit of a longer emphasis on the efforts. So sort of same sort of thing, warm up, cool down with longer efforts throughout the session at maybe race pace power. So maybe like do three by eight minute efforts or something like that, or two by ten, just something um, to get the legs feeling like kind of and used to the power that you might be putting out. Um, and then, as I said, run off the bike at the given. Uh, so yeah, that was the Thursday session. Yeah, so lower intensity than the Tuesday ride, but yeah, you know, more dialing in your race intensity. But yeah, one theme so far, everything's quite quite simple, um, which is you know a good thing. But just just an observation is you you're pretty simple. Hundreds in the pool, some VO two work, five by five, thirty minute runs off the bike, some one k reps, um, and then yeah, up to three by eight or two by ten. So. So far, very, very simple, very repeatable. Um, yeah, so well, I mean, obviously it, that works. Yeah, exactly right. I think, um, I mean, I think Jared and the Trivello team—they're very dialed in with their their program. They've got, you know, a very good, um, you know, results sheet on. They can look at their training and see what works and what doesn't work for them. And so, I think, uh, the, you know, they've really applied that fairly well to a lot of their athletes. Um, and so it's certainly what's worked for me and definitely works well just to replicate it and keep on going. And yeah, it's, it's been very, very helpful. Um, and then, so I guess looking at from Thursday onto Friday, um, the session that I'll do on Friday would be predominantly a swim session, um, which was more focused towards in like longer efforts in the pool. So it might be like two by 400 or one eight hundred followed by some 200s and then stepping down to 100s um, in the pool, usually around that three kilometre, three and a half kilometre sort of total distance in the session um, for the 
um, for the day. And then just because it's preceding the weekend, that was predominantly the only session on the day. Sort of seen as like a recovery day, if you can call it that, because you're still doing a session. But yeah, like active recovery. Yeah, leg um, rest getting, day. Yeah, getting ready for the weekend. Yep. All right. So on, on to that weekend. So you mentioned earlier that long uh, ride. Is that the Saturday or the Sunday typically? Uh, I generally do it on the Saturday. I mean, yeah, yeah just I, I have no idea why, but it's just, you know, Saturday is ride day and Sunday is long run day for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's universal for most people, but yeah, it's quite depending on the weather, structure. yeah, depending on the weather, I guess, you know, if I saw the week, you know, if the weather was going to be better on Sunday, I might ride on the Sunday just because... I'd rather run in slightly more treacherous conditions rather than riding just from a safety perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for the Saturday, let's so say it was a long ride on the Saturday. As I said, it, it would vary depending on the, the 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 position of like the the block and where I was at. So earlier on, as I said, it would be that sort of longer ride with long long efforts sort of built into the ride. So it might be a three-hour ride, four-hour ride with some 45-minute efforts mixed in the middle so you might do three by 45 at uh race pace or below race pace um with a run off the bike um and then moving towards i guess trying to dial in uh towards the end it was more so doing a, like a targeted sort of session so you might do um i guess like a, an hour or a 75 kilometer time trial um at race pace with a a time trial run off the bike um, just to see how the legs can react to that sort of effort. Yep. Cool. So three to four hour ride is typical and then followed by your, your standard 30 minute easy run. Oh, uh, well, yes. Yeah. Typically, typically um, I think that was generally what it was. I'd have to look back exactly like, I think it was a rouge. Usually it was 30 minutes. That just yep. feels, I feel like it was 30 minutes, but it might've been different, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 30. <laughs> No, no, that's okay. And then you said your long run was on the Sunday. Um, how long was a long run? And is it just easy? And then was there any other sessions on that day as well? Yeah, so predominantly uh, a long run, I guess, anywhere north of an hour and 15, hour and 30. As I said, I didn't want to injure myself running. Um, mm-hmm. And just tried to incorporate as much hill climbing as possible in the run. Um, and maybe towards further towards the end, um, started doing some more targeted sessions on the on the running on the Sunday doing maybe like a might do a, a practice half marathon at at a race pace or maybe a little bit above race pace given your your fresh on the day just to see how you can do or um, yeah I don't think there was any occasions where we did a, a long run with any efforts sort of built into the long run I think if it was a Easy long run. It would just be a purely easy long run on the Sunday just to get some volume into the legs. And if it was going to be intensity on the Sunday long run, then it was, as I said, going to be sort of a race simulation session. Yeah, got it. And do you do any gym work or strength conditioning as part of a standard week? Uh, I used I, I used to do a lot of spend a lot of time in the gym, but I don't so much anymore. Um, so like, as I got more and more into, I guess, structured training, I, I found it just, I mean, yeah, a bit tricky to sort of incorporate it. Maybe I was just a bit lazy, but, um, <laughs> uh, I might just do one session a week and then 
to be fair, it's not even training anything that'll help a triathlon. It's just training the disco muscles. So it's like, <laughs> you know, biceps, pecs, you know, nothing, nothing too serious. <laughs> okay. So it's not like strength and conditioning that is sort no, of functional no. or relevant yeah. for endurance sport. It's just more, um, yeah. you know, make your arms look good in a singlet. Pretty much. Yeah. Just to keep, you know, <laughs> look good when you take yeah. your top off running. And yeah. Tour. yeah. No worries. That's all right. Shows okay. So we've got, like, um, <laughs> All right, so you got a yeah three. It looks like a standard week is three swims, three bikes. Interestingly, you mentioned your your running and not wanting to get injured, but you you actually do five runs if you include the three little brick sessions, yeah. easy, and then your long run and then your yeah you know, your specific run with the you know typically the one k rep. So your your frequency is up there. Obviously, the intensity is low in four out of five of those, unless you're doing a specific sort of race simulation or testing session. Do you, do you happen to know your, your totals across swim, bike and run in terms of, you know, distances covered and then what an average week of training is in hours? Oh, um, off the Just top to wrap of my a bow head. in sort of your typical week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the bike, uh, it's always tricky. I think I might've been doing like time-wise, maybe five or five to six hours on the bike. I think I mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't. You're not going to be able to quote me on these numbers because I don't have the uh, like training peaks as Chava up. So, but I think it was generally around that. Generally, averaging around twenty. To, sorry, two hundred k's on the bike. Not yeah. that that's a bit of an arbitrary number because you could be doing hills or you could be on the trainer. So you never know. Um, and then maybe running. I think generally around like that that forty to fifty kilometer sort of uh range getting that in on the week um and then swimming maybe eight k's maybe throughout the week eight to nine k's so i mean a lot of training uh, i guess like um from i guess from a lay person standards but compared to what i guess the professional guys are doing and um some amateur age groupers are doing it's nothing um, nothing crazy, but um, yeah, probably in total, maybe like 10 to 15 hours of training, I think in the week. Yeah, I agree with that statement. It's not a lot of volume or really high frequency of any one discipline, but you know, the main thing here is you were consistent. It was simple and it's, it's obviously, it's obviously working like your training age is quite low and um, yeah, it's yielding pretty positive results so that's good so a couple of you know quick ones off the back of that before we get into the race itself they mentioned a couple of times doing the race simulations can you just take us through one of those sessions like how long before the race is it um yeah and what what are the, one of those key bricks you know where it's your long ride into a you know a bit more of a race specific run what do, what do they look like yeah so um i guess uh thinking back one of the main main sessions we did was uh it was a 60 minute tt with a, I think a 10k run off the bike. Um, so the 60 minute at, um, I guess the FTP sort of power that I that I had, um, just to see, or maybe a little bit under, um, like so like 85 to 95 percent of FTP for that 60 minute effort. Yeah. And then it was a 10k run off the bike at, I guess, uh, race pace or a bit above race pace. Um, just to see how things go, and then practicing nutrition throughout, just to make sure um, what I was doing was working um, for the session. So yeah, that was a key sort of race race sim session. And when was that out? Three weeks out? Four weeks out? Uh, maybe even two to three weeks out. The last two to three weeks were one of those sessions. Yeah. Yeah, and then do you have any other testing or time trials? 
Mm, um, a typical race block. Yeah, well, I think generally every three three weeks, three to six weeks, um, you do a, a test to see how you're progressing, which would be like a one one to fifteen hundred meter, so one k, sorry, to one point five k time trial swim, um, just to see see how you're going in the pool, and then an FTP test on the bike, and then uh, either a half marathon, ten k, or a five k to see how things are going on the run. Predominantly a ten k, I think time trials the go-to sort of testing session to see how things are going. Yeah. Okay. And then those numbers sort of feature in the, in the block or in the race plan, I assume. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, as you test, you, you don't go off your all time best. You go off how you went on that week or that test yeah. week. And then you go from there, unless it was like you had a particularly bad day, I guess on the, the testing day and you know, you can do better, but um, yeah, that's predominantly, I think the framework. Yep, and then speaking of the FTP, you've you've already said you're you're a big guy. Um, what what is your FTP? Because I know people like this. <laughs> uh, my most recent one, um, I held for the twenty minutes. I held around four hundred and thirty-eight watts. So I think it makes it like four sixteen is my yep. FTP. Um, which yeah, I was yeah, pretty happy with how that went. That was on a windy course, though. We'll say out at down out at Casey Fields, so. It was hard to keep the power on around the corners. I reckon I could have pushed 440, you know, if I had a straight course. Just, just <laughs> deny. I, I like round numbers, you know. So <laughs> fair enough. We yeah. all have a little bit of OCD. So 416, and you said you were 98 kilos. Yeah, probably around that, around 95 to 98 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. So FTP that puts your FTP on that day at like 4.2 watts a kilo. Yeah. Yeah. And then so what nothing... do you? Yeah, go on. Oh, so... I was going to say nothing, nothing crazy because uh, being a bigger guy it certainly makes it harder to get that the watts per kilo up. But um, yeah, that's I think that's a pretty accurate number. And then what did you hold on race day? What sort of power did you hold? What's your race day wattage? Um, I think the first so I broke the, I think the average might have been around three fifty, um, watts, uh, for the full nine uh ninety k's, or maybe up to three fifty five. Um, I should be able to quickly check for you, actually, and not just make numbers up. Three forty-eight was, yeah, three forty-eight yep. was the average power. And then, so yep. I think the first lap I held three sixty watts, because yep. um, that was the sort of limit I was trying to hold. And then on the second lap, I dropped down a bit, and obviously averaged probably three forty for that second lap. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're in yeah. sort of around that three point six watts a kilo. So that you must be quite um, aerodynamic and quite efficient too. Have you have you done a lot of work on your bike fit, or you just naturally sit on the bike quite well? <laughs> uh, I've done it. I'd say predominantly just looking at the mirror um, that I've got to try and try and get things lined up. Um, I haven't had done anything formal, um, but yeah, I think uh, it's always difficult to say with you know the aero testing whether or not a change you've made is a good change. You know, if you don't have an actual formal system to test it, but um, yeah, I think uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it, I try as hard as I can whilst I'm riding to just keep my head down and not crash. Yeah. So again, just a real, real simple thing. So you must be um, must be a natural. Um... <laughs> well, I think you know, I take a lot of time just to look look at what other people's doing, what what a professional's doing. I mean, it's free speed, really, if you can just change your position um, and. I guess the smaller you can make yourself, the faster you will go um, in a very, very simple way of looking at it. 
Um, I chuck the bottle down the, the top because that's what all the other people are doing. Whether or not it makes a difference, don't know. Yeah, that one's a pretty um, pretty yeah. well tested. I think that's a pretty pretty much a good one. What do you, were you in the calf sleeves yet? I have got the calf sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was not sure about the look the first time I saw it, but it's it's grown on me. And uh, yeah, whether or not, again, I haven't looked into the formal numbers of what they're providing me, but I'll, anything I can get, I will take. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Um, and are you doing all your riding on a time trial bike? Or are you ever ever getting on the roadie? Uh, as we get closer to the race, if I'm doing a specific block, I'll try to just stay on the time trial bike. But I do have a road bike that I um, will use as well. Um, so now I think I'll I'll jump back onto the road bike, and I'm getting into doing some of the like the the crit races that are going on around Melbourne at the moment. So I'll be predominantly on the road bike now. But um, yeah, I think if I'm doing a, a triathlon specific sort of session, you, you know, I should probably do it on the tri bike, um, just simulate that position, and then. Because you're using different muscles on the different park as well. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. So you've had a good block. You're leaning into the race. So tell us about your your goals for this race. Were they time-based like we discussed before? Yeah. Or was it about sort of racing and winning your age group? Where Did you know you'd be near the – I'm assuming you'd know you'd be near the pointy end of the age group field. Um, so, yeah, what, what was the plan for the race what, and what were the goals for the race? Yeah, well, as I said, I wanted to – First of all, I wanted the redemption race from what I thought I could have done at Sunny Coast. So that was the main thing sort of, you know, motivating me. And then just wanted the platform to sort of push myself and really dig deep and see what I could do with all the hard training um, that I'd sort of pieced together. Um, so moving into the race, I didn't have any sort of, I guess I'd always wanted to from Geelong, I thought the next goal, but I want to try and here's that sub 350 um, minute uh, goal. So that was, I guess, a loose goal that I had in the back of my mind. Um, but, you know, I thought on the day, don't try to worry too much about the time or your actual, I guess, finishing position. Just go out there, stick to the numbers that you've done on training, you know, sort of fall back on your training um, and do what you know you can do and let the finish and finishing time take care of itself, really. Yeah. Got it. All right. So just walk us through swim, bike, run quickly then. So we have a recap of the day. Um, we know the finish time was yeah. 3.39 with an asterisk, which I'm sort of calling a 3.50-ish. <laughs> you know, um, so, yeah, just walk through how, how you went in the swim, how you handled those conditions. You mentioned the bike, uh, but just, yeah, give us your splits and then also how how the run went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So I guess, yeah, obviously everybody has the same experience on, on the day, same conditions. Um, so got down to the transition nice and early just to get everything set up. As you said, um, everyone's a bit OCD in triathlon. And I'm, I think I'm particularly like a type A sort of personality. So everything's got to be lined up and perfect. And then I was looking forward to the swim. I would say like I'm probably more of a middle to like upper pack sort of swimmer. So I definitely benefit, I guess, from that a little bit from the swim. Um, especially when you've got a wetsuit and you're drafting other people as well. So that helps. And so I was a bit disappointed when they shortened the swim, I guess, for that reason. Um, but those choppy conditions, they 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 were certainly pretty hectic um, and it was tough to get out um, to that first boy. Um, but I've swam a fair bit in the bay and I know what those conditions can be like. So um, I've certainly practiced out, out there in the 
in the open water, which I think is, you know, a must. I think if you're, you're going to try and have a good, good go, um, cause you can never know what the conditions are going to be like. So yeah, my pace was probably a 120 to a 124 for the swim, which, um, I think I ended up doing probably something around that, maybe a bit slower on the day, um, for the 900 meters or 1k, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, but look, just as played it safe in the swim, sort of started maybe in the middle of the of the first wave towards maybe the back. It's so hard to get a good position in that 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 P that the starting swim. You just I was standing with my friend and then we were honestly five back from the start. And then they just they said, Oh yeah, all the age group has come forward and then immediately I was about fifty people back. I don't know how it happened, but anyway. Um yeah. So that Yeah, the rolling starts are tricky like that. If you want to try very, and get a warm up and do that, but you also want to line up and be near the front, it, it can yeah, it's tricky to manage. Sometimes I've managed yeah. to be right at the front and other times I've got caught and been yeah, way back and just not where not where I want to be. I guess the, the yeah. positive is you know, your rate if you're delayed for any reason, you know, your race only starts when you cross the line. But if you you know, if you like to sort of be near the pointy end or you know you're gonna be near the pointy end, it can be a bit tricky. And then for the guys racing for positions, it's um yeah, you can be tactical with where you where you start as well. So it's an interesting one. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, yeah, for no, now, no, it's so. obviously not up to us, but yeah, it yeah. is definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's a tricky one as well with the swim. I never know where to start because, as I said, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'd ever lead the swim, but I'd benefit from being on someone's feet who are faster, obviously. Mm. Um, and you don't want to have to be slowing down to swim over the top of people, and obviously, you don't want to be doing that anyway. But then there's always a lot of people at the front of the swim who are very good, but then also maybe uh, who like get past. So it's a bit tricky trying to you know find the right medium between that. Yeah, um, agreed. But it, yeah, but it's helpful to have that draft, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Being surrounded by some some faster athletes, whether it's cross swim, bike, and run, can definitely help elevate performance. But it's just tricky to gauge what that is because it's such a big. Yeah range of athletes even within the the four individual categories so yeah exactly right. anyway that that was a swim you plowed through the chop in uh in the, in <laughs> yeah. the bay um and yeah yeah heading out uh heading out onto the bike so tell us how you found the bike yeah. yeah so i mean for me perfect conditions really like a little bit of a wind but not really that noticeable it actually felt like a tailwind in both directions funnily enough i don't know how that's possible but Probably the only day legs. that never happens. <laughs> the only day of the year, I think, in Melbourne where it's like not howling in one direction. So that was pretty good. But um, yeah, not too hot, overcast. So it was fairly good. You're not going to sweat too much. You don't have to have too much hydration. Um, so managed to jump on the bike and just locked into my power as sort of quickly as I could. Did a few activation sort of efforts going down towards that first turnaround point. Um, and then as I turned the corner, just got in position, did the shoes up and dialed in for the 90 minute on the 90 kilometer ride, sorry, and just tried to hit the power that I'd set and sort of knew that I could do through training. Yeah, and I think you said before, was that 360 for lap one and 340 for lap two? Yeah, exactly right, exactly yeah. right. I think I lost one of my bottles at the back, bounced out. The nutrition bottle, um, which is a bit of a shame. So stopped stopped a bit and picked up some gels from one of the um, aid stations uh, on the second lap. But not that I think that probably is a contributor towards the power. But 
yeah, that that was certainly um, maybe affected it a little bit. And if it just try to keep safe on the ride, I think, you know, it can get pretty congested. And I, I mean, there are a few unfortunate circumstances where I saw some people um, hit the deck, um, which was, uh, you know, pretty sad to see. Um, uh, I hope they were okay. Um, but yeah, it's just to be, you always have to be careful um, when you're out riding the bike and just always be mindful and concentrating uh, out there. And were you solo for most of the ride? Were you with a bit of a group? Oh. Was there two or three of you riding? <laughs> no, or... I was by myself all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I don't cool. think I've ever been. I don't think I've ever been on a bike ride where I missed someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. You, like, you must be riding yeah. too fast. So, what was your <laughs> bike split? Uh two, two oh, two oh four. I think it would be like around two oh four flat. I think it would have been. Yes, um, that's that's yeah. pretty quick. No wonder you run by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Oh, sorry, right. I'll get so, the time. Two four two four thirty eight was the time. Yeah, yeah nice. Okay, yeah. so um, swim went pretty well. Non-eventful bike, pretty solid. Locked into your power. Two or four split. So how did you feel coming off the bike, and how did the how did the run go? What was the plan of attack on the run? Um, yeah, felt good coming off the bike because uh, it sort of eased up, I guess, a little bit in the last five five k's, just to sort of give and shake out the legs a little bit. Um, and just have them feeling fresh. Took on a caffeine gel uh, in the last, I guess, like, it was about five k's just to get ready to hit the run. Um, so yeah, I was feeling good. Um, and then I think I need to improve my transitions a little bit. But um, yeah, coming into the run felt pretty pretty good. And obviously, don't want to go out too hard, which I think can be the uh, the trick for young players. Like you've just finished the 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 ride, and you're super excited to get into the run, feel a million bucks. And you just go out too hard um, on the run, which I'm certainly a, a culprit of doing. Um, so yeah, uh, I was lucky enough. I think there were two of the other uh, two professional guys were sort of running, having an easy sort of run day, which was nice. We we're still running very quickly, mind you. Um, so they sort of paced the first five k's for me. I was just sitting behind them, um, and then as I got to the turnaround, decided to bring up the pace. Um, as we got there and then sort of just dug in and tried to hold the, the pace that I was trying to run through for the day, which was around a 3.45 split for the run um, and then sort of winded up as I got to the end. Um, so I think looking at the paces that I did, I think I first 3Ks were maybe a 3.55, 3.50 sort of pace for the first 3Ks. And then I sort of wound it up to finish around the 3.40 340 pace and averaged like a 341, I think, pace for the whole run. Um, yeah, something like that. They're pretty quick. So 341 is what's that like a 118? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was 118, uh, I think, on the day. And so the actual formal time was 117.27 for the run. So, yeah, um, whether or not it was a bit short or not, but um, yeah, that was around the pace. Yeah, so other than uh, a little bit of pacing for a couple of those pro boys, you were solo for the run as well? Yeah, again, yep. by, by my lonesome. But I saw, I mean, obviously with Melbourne, you can have like, you, you got the two turnarounds, uh, two turnaround points, sorry. Um, and so you can see who's chasing you. Um, and so I saw the the two other guys who I'm friends with um, who were coming like flat chat for me. So I realized oh, I'm probably going to start moving, otherwise they're going to catch me. So that was super motivating um, to yep. see them giving their all too so yeah yeah cool so you felt good 
Uh, did you know you were leading the age group race? Um, I did, had a few call outs um, as, as well from the coach as well. So that definitely helped and uh, did know that I think I was, I thought I was just leading the, the I guess, my age group, the 18 to 24 age group. Um, but yeah. I wasn't really thinking about, I guess, the winning actually like throughout the race. Like I just wanted to try and do the best time that I could do. I wasn't really thinking about the, the overall position or anything like that. And then as you cross the line, you think, oh, it's, Pretty nice to be, I guess, the first age grouper over the line. I think so. That was that was pretty good, and I realised as well because I couldn't see anyone else out on the course as well. So I think it back in the in the back of my mind, I I knew I knew what was going on. But yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Well, well done. Thanks for sharing. Um, um, so yeah, very, very, uh, very solid day out. Won the age group. Won the overall age group race. I think we can say you ticked off your target uh, of your three fifty goal. Uh, what's the what what's the next race you're going to do? Oh, thank you very much, Jamie. That's that's very nice of you to say. I, as for the next goal, I well, as I said, I've got the world champs next year, the seventy point three world champs, and the only other race I've signed up for so far is Ironman Cairns, which I'm actually sort of reconsidering at the moment because I don't know if that'd be the best thing to do if you're trying to look at targeting seventy point three at the end of the year. I'm not sure. So I might have to re like you know over the break now. I might have to reconsider things. Might might look to go back to Geelong on that 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 course and try and com- like compare apples to apples and see what I can do on that course again. But um yeah, I think I need to sit down, have a good think about what I want to do. Yeah, cool. Well, um yeah, watch this space then. So a couple other things before we finish up. Um, have you got a favorite session that you do, or maybe a session that you think we should try? Uh, I think I think the best session that I think I always look forward to is a long ride just because it's so enjoyable to go out there and you know see a different area around where you live. Um, I think for the 70.3, maybe that, that three-hour long ride with like the longer efforts built into it mm-hmm. at like maybe um, 70 to 80% of the FTP or something like that um, is probably maybe one of the better things you can do. Um, uh, and then maybe running off the bike as well, just so you're getting that condition um, in the legs. And it doesn't have to be anything intense on the run either. I think it's just getting your legs used to doing it. Yeah, again, I think that's a uh, yeah common theme through this conversation is the simplicity of it. So, yeah, your sort of your your favorite and what you think people should do if they want to do a good seventy point three is just yeah your long ride with them intervals in there probably just below race intensity and then running off those long rides even if it is only for half an hour and nice and easy that's pretty good do you have a least favorite session you said you like basically can't wait to train so do you have a type of session or a theme of session on one that you don't don't really enjoy or would be at the bottom of the list or not really yeah yeah no no i do have one and it's a recovery (laughs) session recovery session on zwift when you're sort of just sitting there for 50 minutes 55 minutes pushing very little power yeah. And your your ass begins to go numb because that's where all the weight is, and it's just the most unpleasant thing I've ever done. Like, uh, yeah, you can't stand it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a classic stereotypical <laughs> type A high performer triathlete answer. Just I hate my recovery session. So yeah, noted. It's uh yeah, not unsurprising now that you've explained it. So that's good. Um, have you got any other tips for age groupers or age groupers who are managing shift work, perhaps that has just sort of absolutely a must that you've you've found to maintain high performance but also you know work you know work and um 
your lifestyle and so forth? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still fairly junior in, I guess, everything that I'm doing. So I'm, an, I'm not an expert by any means, but I think just what's worked for me is like having consistency in your sessions. And even if, you know, you're feeling a bit, uh, you know, tired and fatigued on the day, like to an extent, I guess you got to put an asterisk on that as well. Like if you're really buggered, maybe you should just have a full rest day. But if you're just feeling a little bit fatigued, just knowing that you've got a range of, I guess, effort that you can work on in your session. And so I guess not just beating the entire session if you're feeling fatigued and just knowing that, okay, today's session is going to be a little bit below what I guess my standard is and knowing that, you know, um, maybe dropping back the intensity but just not giving up on the session. Um, yeah, I think that's something. I remember someone said that to me when I was rowing. They said, like, because, you you know, you're in a 2K or if you're doing a race or anything like that, it's just you never – you never ever give up. You just sort of, if you need to, you can row a slower, like a lower intensity than what you're doing, but just never ever give up. And um, I've sort of just like, that's always in the back of my mind. It's just like, don't ever stop because you'll hate yourself if you do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good tip. So consistency, obviously that, that comes, comes up a lot. Um, but one practical piece of advice into actually being able to put that into practice is, you know, not just uh, canning the the sessions that where you don't feel great. Um, there's always we're always going to have days, and especially you guys as shift workers are going to have those days where you you're tired or fatigued or you're underslept. Um, and you know, start the session, do the warm up, see how you feel. And if the main set's just not going to happen as intended, you can still try and do something useful. So I think that's a good tip for everybody, but especially um, for age groupers and especially age groupers who. Um, who work shifts and you know maybe don't have that perfect pattern of sleep and rest and recovery days and you just sort of got to go with the flow a little bit yeah no exactly right and i you know i think it's tricky i mean i'm an individual that doesn't i mean uh i don't like like going out and partying and spending too much time in art life um so i guess predominantly my life is work and then training and then intermittently catching up with friends and stuff so it's tricky uh, if you're balancing, you know, as well, I don't have the, the added pressure of children and, you know, a mortgage or anything like that. So I've certainly got it easy in comparison to, I think, a lot of the other age groupers that are doing it. So, yeah, there's a lot of caveats, I think, on, you know, the what I'm doing compared to everybody else. So, Yeah, yeah, good. Definitely, definitely a good point. If, you, if you're not going out partying, um, those, uh, those disco muscle gym sessions are just wasted. They're useless. I know. I know. It's just, the intermittent session is you walk from the pool, you got to get undressed. And then in the five meters that you jump into the pool, you know, you got to be confident. Confidence is key. That's good. Um, no, that's uh, that's a good way to end. Um, <laughs> so anyway, mate, thank you, Roland, for, for coming on and, and sharing a little bit about your journey or the fact that it's short, it doesn't make it any less interesting. And uh, I definitely think there'll be a lot of people watching this space. So um, yeah, let us know what you end up doing next and uh yeah we might see you at a, a race course again soon terrorizing the age yeah. group field <laughs> oh thank you very much jamie thanks so much for having me on it's been a pleasure and uh yeah really enjoyed chatting with you no worries thanks mate cheers thanks for listening to the diary of an age grouper podcast if you have any questions feedback or ideas for future guests please contact us via the Diary of an Age Group at Instagram page. 
Alternatively, you can email info at jetcoaching.com.au. Don't forget to like, comment, share and subscribe. This podcast was born to discuss all things age group triathlon. As an athlete, coach and fan of the sport, I've always been intrigued with different approaches to training and how to optimize an individual's performance. We will speak to athletes who perform at a high level, as well as those with an interesting story. We will speak to coaches with a vast array of experience and also experts in various fields. We want to sift through what the physiology labs tell us, as well as what we see the pros doing and take the lessons that apply to us. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper.